Everything said on the Couplings Fire podcast are our opinions and in no way represent the opinions and values of any agency we are associated with. Hey, this is the Couplings Fire podcast. Here's a couple of things you might need to know or maybe you just forgot. I'm Chris. And I'm Taylor. We're married. And we're both firefighters. Join us as we talk anything and everything fire related. Based on a small town, rural Nebraska, we bring our unique challenges and solutions to the table every episode. Our goal? To better the rural volunteer firefighting community, one person at a time. Let's get on to the episode. No one would understand what the music is, though. So. I, don't know. I don't even know how the music goes. What? Which one? Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Yeah, you got you got it now. Who's that on Space Jam? Yeah, you had to ask. You didn't just know. Well, I think I knew, but it's been a long time. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of our podcast with us. I cannot believe you're here with us. Uh, <laughs> and you're drawing a blank already. And I'm drawing a blank already. That is not a good omen. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sticking it out with us. I literally cannot believe you guys are still listening. Uh, this is amazing. Yeah, because I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. I am. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. And yeah, we are super excited if you guys made it through the first one and all the other ones between the first one and this one. We only have one other one in between. <laughs> right now. Right now. <laughs> Depends on how they come out, I guess. But um, We haven't solidified the order of some of these first ones. Yeah, exactly. So if you're still here, thank you. We appreciate you. our rambling and <laughs> our nonsense here. So anyway, what are we talking about tonight, hon? Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking all about in-house trainings. Trainings you do at your own fire department. And for us, it would be our personal volunteer fire department we are on. So, this comes about on many different fronts. Just because I was training officer here for, I don't know how many years, six years, seven years, something like that. Something like that. And we created a committee and the midst of all that to help with training and in that you got dragged into it oh well, i was kind of in it from the i was in it from anyway, the so. i was in it from the beginning actually i like to uh credit some of the best ones were my brainchilds that i would feed to him through his ear when we were at home and then every he'd give the idea or he would actually carry the practice out and everyone thought it was his idea but little a, did they know, I was the brainchild behind it. I was the glory hog. It worked out pretty well. So, <laughs> so eventually, you were the brains. I just made it work. Yeah. I had all the cool ideas. Well, I had a lot of the cool ideas. Maybe not all of them. I had a lot of them. A lot of the different ways of doing things. I just had to make it work in our department. <laughs> I had to figure out what she wanted to do and how to make it work. Yeah. She just had the main idea. Exactly. And then eventually when we created the committee, uh, I was officially a part of that committee when it came to BAP, so. Yep. And now I found out just the other day she's trying to take over my old job. Well, not Not here on the department, but. (laughs) So a friend of mine, uh, her, her boyfriend is actually the new training officer for his local department, somewhat nearby ish. And so he was trying to figure out some different practices specifically for the winter time that they could do. 
And he, he was kind of drawing a blank, especially on some fun ones or whatnot. So I kind of looked off whatever that was on the top of my head and gave him some of the ideas that we've done before and what we liked and how, how to go about doing them. And it got me thinking that I think this would be a great thing for other volunteer departments to know our process, how we went through it, um, to creating our own in-house trainings and figuring out what to do and whatnot, and sharing some of our favorite trainings with everybody. So Yeah. And the other point that brings us up is the fact that we do go to conferences and trainings and stuff outside our department, and mm-hmm. we actually hear it a lot from not our immediate local area, but you get out about an hour from us and that kind of surrounding area, and they have problems coming up with practices. They might practice once once a month or twice a year or something like that, and they have problems coming up with practices where it seems like we have so many ideas we can't even get through half of them. Exactly. And if you guys were listening to the, to the first episode where we explained how our department is set up, we practice every single week in the summertime and then once a month in the wintertime. So people were surprised that we were actually having too many ideas and we still couldn't fit them all in. Yeah. So we want to share our ideas with you. Hopefully it'll improve the quality of your training or help you get some of the training that you want to bring into your department in. And even if you're just lacking on the ideas, we'll give you some ideas on what to do and kind of how to figure out what you need to do. Just to preface this for you guys, this will be split into two different podcasts because this will probably be very long. (laughs) And we we don't want to cut it short. We want you guys to have all the information. So this first part here is going to be focused on how do you figure out what to train on? How do you turn the ideas into the actual practices for our small departments? And then about half of our favorite trainings that we've gone through, that we've made. Um, And then the second half of the podcast is going to be on more of our favorite trainings. And then what we figured out works really well, what doesn't work really well, and how to keep people engaged at these trainings. So, So yeah, if you make it through this first one, please listen to the second one. We both think there's a lot of good information on here that could really help you out, so... That being said, I don't think we've gone to any fires this week. We have not gone to any fires this week. Uh, it is a new year now, uh, 2021, and as of today, which is the 7th, we have not had any uh, official calls, I'll say, which last year we had one on the 4th, I think was our first one. We had a smoke alarm to good Sam or something, but, you know, yeah. that happens. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you're in a community that has automated alarm systems you probably have been there so (laughs) yeah so nothing fun to talk about on the actual fire front but with that i guess we'll get right into the training part of it all right so if you guys are new to the training officer position or if you're on a training committee by any chance or if you're just a firefighter that wants to maybe bring some training ideas to your department or help out whoever's in charge of that training this is kind of where we started We'll kind of go through it here and give you the rundown on it and all the information that we can possibly pass on to you. Here it comes. (laughs) (laughs) Wish us luck. (laughs) Exactly. We'll try to organize it so it's not quite scatterbrained, but it might end up that way. It's going to be quite scatterbrained, but after every section, we're going to try to do a quick recap for you guys. (laughs) Yeah. So there's kind of three things that we look at when we made our committee. We looked at basically three things as we started scheduling practices for summer, winter, and stuff. So the first thing that we started looking at 
and this was, I can't say a bunch of research, but just listening to different podcasts and stuff really gave me the idea to start doing this. And I think um, we went to a training that kind of gave us some different uh, material to use and stuff like that. Well, actually, I think what actually happened, I know you're thinking that's where it started. I don't think that's where it started. I think we started realizing through the practices we were having already that people did not know what we thought they knew. That's true. I think we were assuming a lot of people knew more than what they knew. Yeah. And one thing, one feedback that we were getting from our officers here were that guys didn't know the basics. Yeah. And we started really seeing it. You could see guys who were on 15, 20 years not know how to do some of our basics that we consider basics for our department. So it was like, oh, crap, we actually don't know who actually knows these things. So So we basically had to start over from ground zero. Yeah, we did. So, where we started and how we established our basics, our basic skills that every firefighter in our station should know and be able to do, it all came from the first thing we looked at was what calls do we run the most often, what calls we ran the least often, and what calls were the basically the most high risk. Yep. So, if any of you guys, um, and if, if you haven't heard of him, you can go out quick and look on YouTube. Uh, look up Gordon Graham high frequency and you're going to get like about a 15 minute video about this all this and he kind of takes it in a little bit different light but he does talk about training um, a little bit in there it's a really good video to listen to but he talks about the it's basically a square that's cut into four sections um, and you have low risk low frequency events you have low risk high frequency events you have high-risk, low-frequency events and high-frequency, high-risk events in these squares. And so that's kind of where we started putting our calls that we actually go to. So for our corner, one of our corners is the low-risk, high-frequency. That, for us, is grass fires. Yeah. We go yeah. to grass fires a lot, and our grass fires that we get here, granted, some of them can get high-risk, but most of them are pretty low-risk for us. Yeah, it is by far our most common call. It is. We have probably over half of our calls are grass fires of some sort, whether it be just a tiny ditch fire or something more, or whether or maybe a prescribed burn that got out of the way. Exactly. <laughs> and then we found out our high-risk, low-frequency calls, so what are the calls that we're going to screw up on that we don't do very often for us? That's structure fires, since we only get about three to five working structure fires a year. Yeah. And granted, we're pretty, we're pretty decent on the structure fires. i got to give it to the guys. They're pretty good on them. Mm-hmm. But, but it's um, because we train on them. Yeah, it's, that's how our training's set up. Um, like I said, the first thing we set up was our basics, and that was the grass fires. It was the most common call we went on. It is a low risk, but it was the most common thing that we went on, so mm-hmm. we set that as our basics. And basically, we went in as our committee and said, okay, when it comes to finding a grass fire what all do we expect these guys to know? And started making a list, and it was actually for fighting a grass fire. It was pretty long because we went into, if you're driving the truck, because basically anyone can drive the truck that's comfortable with it, mm-hmm. where you drive, when you're in the back of the truck. Like I said, we can still be in the back of our trucks here. So um, where you stand in the back of the truck, how to and when to adjust your GPMs on your nozzles, mm-hmm. when to save water, when to use water, how the pumps work, how to start them, all that just on their grass rig. And then we got thinking about it. Well, we even have to tie the tankers into this. Yeah. Because when we go out and fight a grass fire, we're feeding off tankers the whole time. So then we got our tankers involved in it. And, okay, how do you drive the tanker? How do you run the tanker pump? 
how you hook to a hydrant with the tanker, um, how you hook from the tanker to the grass rig. I mean, our list actually got pretty long on what we called the basics. Yeah, it got very long. And it was a little overwhelming at first, but once we kind of got it organized out, it worked pretty well. So. Mm-hmm. so all our new guys that come in, and probably at least once a year, everybody goes through the basics. Yeah, you, you need to go through your basics at least once a year. The reason being, even though you go on them a lot, we're a volunteer department. People don't go on calls all the time. They go when they can. We do have requirements for people to make it to practices and meetings, but you can't anticipate when calls are coming out so we don't have any any uh, percentage of calls that they have to make it to to stay on um so they make it when they can and even when they do it's not like they're guaranteed to get on every single spot that they can throughout the year you know i know something with me it didn't matter how fast i made it to the station I, i've only been on the back of a grass rig maybe two fires in my entire firefighting career for actual live fires for practices i've been on some more but we didn't have live fire in 99% of the class practices. You know, it was just practicing on a dirt road, you know, spraying into the ditch. You know, so for the actual live fire, I only had been in it for two times. And it's just the way it works, you know, and it didn't matter. It was hilarious. It didn't matter how fast I showed up to the station. <laughs> I could show up within a minute of the call going out. And I would always be on the third truck. I could show up five minutes after the call went out and I would be on the third truck. It didn't matter. And our third truck that we take out is a tanker. And so I got really good at running the tanker. I can run the tanker probably blindfolded because I, I know it so well. And with those guys who get to get on the back of the grass rigs, they're seeing the fire. They're getting the adrenaline. Of course, they're not going to get off of there. <laughs> you know, even if you try to pull them off, if you don't have seniority, they're staying on there. They have one hand hooked to the side and pure death grip trying to stay on the back of there, trying to get the action. That's where all the fun's at. <laughs> exactly. But it does it does cause an issue with having getting people experienced in those things, you know? Yeah. So you have to run them through it every year, the basics, because something like me, I didn't get that experience on actual calls like others did. And that was one thing when we put our committee together that we started seeing, too, is not everyone gets that experience mm-hmm. where, as an officer... You think, oh, we've been to 30 grass fires this year. Everyone must have had time on the back of that truck. Oh, yeah. No, not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that, that's our basics. That's what we started out with, and we started our basic training with that, and anyone that comes in new does that, and once a year, everybody goes through it and make mm-hmm. sure everybody knows what's going on. So that covers our high-frequency, fairly low... Very low risk. Fairly low risk calls yeah so that covers one of our boxes and so the next thing that we went to was our low frequency or our yeah low frequency high risk (laughs) you're getting all sorts of confused i'm getting all confused there's too many words in here yeah so yeah so we did the i'm a firefighter not a reader the calls we went to the most the high frequency and our grass fires tend to be low risk so that's the box we checked off with those ones granted like i said they go to the high risk sometimes but not very often for us we train on that once a year because the rest of the training comes from the actual fires. Yeah, we, we go on it enough. It's fine. Yep, it's um, enough to keep everything fresh in people's heads. Yeah, exactly. So that covers that box. So the next box we immediately go to after that is the high-risk, low-frequency. So these are where a lot of your problems are going to come up because it, it's going to be it's such a high risk. Your adrenaline is going to be higher naturally because of the high risk of the event, and you don't do it very often. 
Right. So and even a basic house fire became become a high risk because of the lack of frequency. Yes, exactly. So that's kind of a double-edged sword there that the less you do something, the less efficient you're going to be at, and in turn, it's going to be a higher risk. Yeah. So that is the next box that we move to, and I think throughout what we've researched and stuff, that's what the bigger departments do too, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you... You got to train on it to lower your risk in it, but you also got to train on it because you don't do it that often. Yeah, exactly. Gordon Graham, in in his video, uh, there is... He talks about, like... Well, who do you think dies, like, on the wildland fires? It's not the career guys who do it all the time. It's the volunteers or other people, the part-timers and whatnot, who don't do it very often. Low frequency, high risk, you know? If you take the wildland firefighters and put them in the middle of Detroit, tell them to do some of those house fires or high-rises or whatever, they're going to have a hard time with it. Even though they're fantastic firefighters, they know what they're doing, they're going to have a hard time with it because it's a low frequency high risk event same if you put those detroit firefighters on a wildland setting they're gonna have a hard time with it exactly (laughs) so that was our next deal and for us that low frequency high risk fire was our structure fires Mm -hmm. and like taylor said before we get you know three to five working structure fires a year we are pretty good on them we're pretty fairly comfortable with them but i think it's just because we train on them we yeah we train them a lot i think probably at least half of our trainings, if not a little more than half, is based on house fires, structure fires in general. Yeah. So that's after we got done with our basics and our schedule for our training, we went on to structure fires. Mm-hmm. And we train on that a lot more than we did the grass fires because yeah. we want to get people comfortable with that stuff. And there was a lot more moving parts to a structure yes. fire than it is a grass fire. So as far as practices go, we had anything from hooking the truck to a hydrant and pulling up to a house. So that way they know how that works, how to run the pump, because as previously stated, everyone in our department who's comfortable doing something and the officers know it, they're more than welcome to do that. Mm -hmm. So hooking to a hydrant, uh, learning to work pumps, and we have a whole bunch of different styles of pumps here. So that was a whole (laughs) night in itself, if not more than one night. Pulling cross lays and being efficient at that. Uh, we have switched to being all the same cross lays now, so that has simplified a lot. Yeah. But that's still a whole night of pulling cross lays and relaying them and pulling them and relaying them. SCBA work, air packs. Anything um, from the basics to more advanced. We do hose advancement also with that. We do search and rescue with it. So, yeah, I mean, anything from that. Uh, let's see, SCBA work. And Ladder then, work. Ground well, ladders. We didn't, we didn't really cover that in our structure yet. This is just the basic structure, um, and it was basically everything preparing. You've done grand letters before. I know, but what we practiced last summer. Oh, last summer. Okay. Was everything leading up to the actual structure fire, so you're ready to go in that front door. Oh, okay. I, that, I thought you were talking was, about all structure fire trainings. <laughs> no, no. That was just doing it up to the front door and being ready to go in. Yeah. That was four practices right there. Yeah. So that covered a month of practices for us, Mm -hmm. just getting to that front door. So the guys that say there's not enough to practice on, there definitely is. There is. (laughs) You're not breaking it down enough if you don't think there is. Yeah. And people say, well, you break it down too much. Well, if you want everyone to know all the little bits and pieces to it and be efficient at it, you really got to take the time to do it. Yeah. It's going to help you in the long run. It may be agonizing as you're going through it, we understand, but it's 
you, there, there are ways to make it fun. There are ways to make it entertaining and keeping people engaged. And it's going to help you in the long run. So, Absolutely. And we, we did get quite a bit of uh, grief from the guys. Well, we did this last year. We already know how to do this and stuff like that. But you just kind of, you got to push them and mm-hmm. do it again and make sure. Because there's guys that will forget how to do things, for yeah. sure. So, like, you know, forgetting how to run a pump. <laughs> happens quite often (laughs) so the next thing we're going to go through when we look at trying to figure out how what to train on is kind of what what you need to work on then uh when you when you're talking about some of those low risk high frequency and the high risk low frequency events and stuff so what are the basic things that you have found that you need to maybe work a little bit more on so you're going to implement those more into practices and other things and for that specific topic, a lot of times if you talk to your officers, they'll tell you what they kind of see. Or if you're on scene and you see something, just make a note of it. Hey, we're having problems pulling this cross lay. I was going to say, that ties into the next point then of, yeah, where do you actually see your problems coming up on scene from? Either if it's just one that was really bad one time, or if it keeps constantly coming up, whether it be the... Like, for us, the structure fires or the grass fires, either spectrum of calls, what do we see that keeps happening all the time, you know? For us, it tends to be more of communication issues. It is a lot of some of the problems we have, you know? So we tried, we found some ways to do some communication practice inside of our trainings uh, and some ones we came up with, but... Yeah, and uh, another thing that we heard, that I heard from the officers a lot when I was an officer is when we went to grass fires... It was high frequency. Everyone should know how to do this stuff. Um, we had guys that didn't know how to change the GPM on nozzles, and we had a nozzle that was stuck basically wide open, and nobody knew how to change it, so we were running out of water super fast, and the officers really started getting upset about it, and we had to change that in our training. We had to mm-hmm. make sure that got specifically covered in our trainings. Because everyone just assumed they knew it. Yeah, and it was one of those simple things that as soon as everyone knew, all of a sudden our problem stopped. Yeah. And it was... It was like a light bulb went on. And so, yeah, definitely talk to your officers. Um, or if you're around your officers or whatever and hear I'm talking about something, just put that in the back of your head, make a note of it. That way you can get those guys informed. And even guys that know how to do it, that's all right. It'll yeah. be simple for them then. It'll so. be simple, a good little refresher for them. So, so to uh, summarize our first little section here of how the first thing you do to figure out exactly what to train on um look up that gordon graham risk assessment square um look them up on youtube they'll kind of show you what we've been talking about it'll probably make a lot more sense coming from him but that'll show you and then you can think about what calls you run the most what calls you run the least and your risk assessment from there and then kind of the last thing you see in there is just what problems you keep seeing as you're going to calls and what problems you keep hearing from the officers and how to change that in your training and make that part of the training better so that those problems disappear for you. So that's kind of the quick rundown of that section, and we'll move on to the next one. So next we're going to look at how do you actually turn the ideas into actual practices for our small volunteer departments. So first thing we're going to touch on this is, like I said before, this is going to be different for every department. We're going to give you some of our ideas and kind of help you figure out how to turn them into trainings for you or how to turn your own ideas into your own trainings. But it's going to be very different. No two departments can probably use the same training. Yeah, we might have to mix this in with 
with our some of our favorite trainings. What do you mean? How our favorite trainings, the original ideas, and how they ended up. That'd be a good way to do that. Okay. So we might just mix these two sections together. Oh, no. Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so I am definitely a, uh, a organized person, and he is throwing us all in the toilet and just throwing it all together and jigsaw puzzling it. And, oh, I gotta keep you on your toes. <laughs> Come on. So yeah, it's going to be different for every department. Um, and, you know, so you're going to be able to modify this for any size that you have or the way you guys train. Um, exactly. And there's, there's yeah. a lot of different ways you can modify things and there's a lot of different reasons you would want to modify things. Yes. So it's going to be different for every department mm-hmm. and you got to adapt to what your department has for you. Yeah. And Even though you guys, you have. Oh yeah, definitely. Even if you guys don't have official guidelines, you do, they're just not written down. You have ways that you, your department is training on things or the way you do things on scene even if it's not quote unquote official SOGs or something, you know, I know people are scared of those, whatever, but especially in volunteer departments, you're really scared of having SOGs in general, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, they're standing standard operating guidelines. Sorry. Uh, so, but everyone has them. They're just not necessarily written down. So start thinking when you're going through these practices or whatever, if we're telling you something that your department is kind of against their, code to do you know change it so it does fit within what they do yeah a a prime example of this is uh taylor and i actually tried teaching a uh, search class without a hose line yep a veis class specifically without a hose line well you were veis i was just searching Oh, okay so but we got shut down pretty quickly but it was just because we didn't fully understand the unwritten rules of our department and how it operated in that aspect yes so we definitely had to change that class and adapt it to the way we did yes definitely which in our department we don't go without a hose line it's kind of an unwritten rule we found out Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had to adapt what we were teaching to work as if you were working with a hose line. Exactly. Of so. And it's not a problem. We just we just had to know that about our department, which at the time we didn't know. But, you know, we, we were able to adapt it and whatnot. But you just have to know those things about your department or figure them out so that way you can take whatever you want to learn and adapt it to what you're doing. Basically, what we're trying to get at is make sure you talk to your officers too. If you want to train on search and rescue, make sure you train within their parameters or what they're comfortable with. Anything you want to train, make sure you're training with what they want seen. Yep. On scene. Absolutely. So don't train them on something that your officers never want to do because they're just simply uncomfortable with it or they've never done it or are unfamiliar with it. Mm-hmm. And there are things you can do to get there if you do actually want to get there, but that's... Yeah, we're, that is a whole other podcast, actually. That, that's a rabbit trail. That's a ra- rabbit trail, and we will be getting into that someday, so stay tuned for that one, but... We're not going to get into that today. <laughs> yeah. But, so, I think what my idea is, oh, and the last point here is don't be afraid to think outside the box. Be resourceful. Be creative. It makes your trainings that much better. So yes. What I think my idea here is we have some of our favorite trainings down here on a list that we're going to go through. But in order to make this section make more sense, I think we take these and how they kind of came about and how we made them fit our different department and how we adapted them to us. 
Oh, okay. I, I guess I'm up for it. I kind of don't have a choice. Um, <laughs> well, that's my idea anyway. <laughs> it would make more sense. Yeah. So you guys, we're going into the last little section of this part one of this podcast. We're going to go through about half of our favorite trainings on this one. And uh, when we get finished with this one, go ahead and start the next one whenever we put it up. <laughs> that's going to have part two and the rest of our favorite trainings and the rest of this training podcast for you guys. So we're going to go into some of our favorite trainings and uh, hold on to your horses and buckle your seatbelts because I don't know where Chris is taking us. You're along for the ride now. <laughs> All right, so what out of our list here, What which one is your favorite? Or which Absolute, one do you want to start with? Okay, I was like, I don't know if I have a favorite favorite. Um, I I love this one. So we're going to start with we came up with a game night. Specifically, we made a, a training based on the game show Family Feud. So if Chris wants to go through some of the background information to how this, how this training even came about, the idea behind it. Okay, so this whole idea on this training started with the fact that we realized, Taylor being the head of PR and me kind of being her drag along <laughs> realized that our department really didn't know what the public thought of us mm-hmm. and our department was really bad about getting outside of our own department and visiting other departments and how they operate and just kind of the fire service in general we were stuck in our own little bubble yeah and we really wanted to bring this information in to our department and kind of open their eyes a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot of departments, a lot of people, especially the people who are listening to this, the type of people who are listening to us, are probably like us. They're one of the handful of people on their department that actually want to go out and learn more things or hear from other places. And most volunteer departments, everyone else who's on them, are content with just doing what they've always done. And that's the way they're fine with it. So it's very common in these very small rural volunteer departments to have that. Absolutely. And that's... And I was, to be honest, I was that way. I was content in our own little bubble. I had my own little world. I was fine with it. And you had to go start going <laughs> to conferences and meeting cool people. That Yeah, I started going to our state conferences here in Nebraska. And then I started going to some outside trainings and stuff. And I started looking online more for trainings. And I just couldn't get enough of it. So slowly I kept reaching farther and farther out and... This is what what I've become, what we've become now. Yeah. She drug me into going to all these outside trainings, and then I started meeting people. And then I wasn't content, not not in a bad way, but I wasn't content with just our department. I wanted to reach out and make friends and connections. and Yeah, you started and, seeing the benefits of it. Yeah, absolutely. The, the networking side of it and just the, all the different ideas that were out there. I think people get scared when you say networking. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably. But it's de- it, Basically, networking, especially in this case... It means making friends, you guys. It means talking to other people. It means sitting in a bar with 10 other firefighters and having a rowdy good time and listening to stories. Yes. That is networking for us. <laughs> that is very much networking. <laughs> so um, so that's kind of where this whole idea started, was we wanted to bring some of the outside stuff from outside of our department into our department. Yeah. And honestly, when we started this, we had no idea how we were going to do it. We just, we knew it needed to be done and we wanted to do it. And I think we were just trying to think of kind of a rainy day practice idea. I think something that would be entertaining for the guys, but something we could do when it was kind of crappy outside and we couldn't be outside. Yeah. If I remember right. Yes. That's exactly so what we're going to do. That's, that's kind of 
the parameters of what we were working in. We didn't want to waste a good training night, but we still wanted to make use of a bad training night. Yeah. This is one where we could have had a good training night planned, and then a backup idea would be this could get thrown in immediately if we had it prepared and ready to go. So what we actually did is... And by that, it's like, okay, we have planned to go work hose outside, and it turned out to be a really stormy, crappy night, and we yeah. just couldn't be outside or something like that, so we had to stay inside. Yeah, so that that would be where the backup plan kind of comes in from, and we, we have a few other trainings like that that are more backup plans just in case, but um, so that's another idea for you guys. Have those rainy day plans that are easy to set up in case you have those days. Anyway, so how we, how we did this is we actually came up with questions that would fit Family Feud. So we did some of like... Because we started with Jeopardy, but Jeopardy wasn't quite working out. Yeah, it wasn't quite working out. I think we're still working on that. We're still working on trying to figure out something for Jeopardy. Uh, So like, yeah, any game, any game show you can think of or whatever, like definitely try to adapt it into fire stuff. It it becomes very fun very fast. Yeah. Firefighters are competitive. Yeah. It's one thing, if you don't know that already, you will learn firefighters can be very competitive. Mm Mm-hmm. So a game show was kind of the the route that we found would be the best way to present the information to them kind of subconsciously. Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> so so we asked questions uh, anywhere from name a, vol- name a firefighter TV show or movie. We did name uh, a tool you'd use for extrication. We would say name your favorite tool. We would say... Um, favorite Ricky jokes. Yeah. Um, most inappropriate... Saying or uh, phrase or something. Yeah. You know, like, we went from different extremes, and we didn't ask these to... So we asked these to different groups of people. We didn't ask every group the same questions, obviously. So we asked... Well, and you'll see why. Just be, the different types of questions were only fitted for certain types. So we had three different groups of people we asked these questions to. We did our own department, so our membership. They answered some questions on sheets of paper and handed them in. Uh, Those were the questions like, what's your favorite tool or your favorite truck or simple things about our department. Yeah, we have eight trucks to choose from, so what's everyone's favorite truck? You know, just something easy, whatever. Favorite type of calls to go on, things like that. And then we asked it to the online Facebook world for uh, one of the firefighter groups on Facebook. We, We were asking these questions to for a couple weeks we spread them out so we wouldn't be completely spammy on there, but we wanted to get everyone's answers from there. And then we did our third group. We actually had a PR event here in town that we, we were able to print off a list of like four or five questions to ask the public their opinion. So when it came to and, these... Oh, yeah, and the public questions were like... Uh, what do you think we do? Or like... Yeah, like how long do you think a grass fire takes? Um, why do you think firefighters have mustaches? Yeah, that was um, a good one. Stuff like that. I mean, it was just simple. What do you think the public thinks of this? You know, it was questions that fit that kind of realm. Yeah, exactly. So. It was kind of fun to do. Was, I think some of the people think thought it was a lot of fun to, to answer those questions, too. And so when we finally got this uh, family food thing together, and we found a template to put it together on PowerPoint uh, online somewhere for free. So I, I grabbed that and started inputting these and the answers and whatnot into them. And so then we, when we got to the training night and we told the guys of, you know, this is the question, that we, we told them this is the group we asked. So that way they kind of had a little bit of background knowledge. Okay, we asked the public this. You know, we asked the f- groups on firefighters for Facebook this. We asked you guys here this, you know. So that way they kind of could 
they had a general idea of who was answering the questions and what kind of answers they might get. Yeah, exactly. So, and the other thing about this practice was, it was at the end of a end of our summer practices. It was our last summer practice. We had a busy year, and our chief just wanted a night to have hamburgers and just kind of relax and have a good time. And that's when we threw this practice in because it fit perfectly. We, we didn't want to waste the practice night being the people that we are, but yeah. we didn't want it to be a physical practice night mm-hmm. we wanted to relax too so it was awesome we the guys had so much fun they really took to it and uh we split everybody into two groups so we had two huge teams of like what 13 people or something on a team yeah something <laughs> like that. but it, it worked really well yeah taylor was our quote-unquote vanna white for it she ran the computer. vanna white's on wheel of fortune I, that's why i said quote-unquote <laughs> I know my game shows. Leave yeah. me alone. Well, I already knew all the answers, so I couldn't play. Yeah. And I was a host, and my plan was to dress up in a Steve Harvey kind of <laughs> outfit with firefighter stuff, but... He was going to do the big mustache and everything. It was going to be great. Yeah. I ran out of time on that one, so <laughs> I didn't get that done. But nonetheless, the guys had a, had a blast with it. Yeah. Um, one of the ones I remember the most is we asked the question, what was... What's uh, probably the most popular or the favorite rookie prank? Mm-hmm. And to much to my surprise, our department didn't know hardly any rookie pranks. Well, they don't get out in the world, and we don't do really rookie pranks here, you know? Like, it's just not really a thing. Yeah, we, we asked the question, and nobody had any answers, and... We just kind of had to start putting them up, and it was like, stir the tank, tank water. The tank water, so it don't get stale. Or uh, p- push start the K-12. Push start the K-12. <laughs> and the guys just thought it was hilarious, and it was just like, there's so much outside our department. Yeah. So we, we completed our idea of bringing the outside world in, mm-hmm. and uh, even if things didn't get necessarily implemented or put in our department or anything, at least they got a little bit of that outside information. So that was a fun practice that we definitely developed off of an original idea and definitely had to adapt it to keep our department entertained and yeah. present the information to them in a way that they would accept it anyway. So. Yeah. so that would, that kind of a practice, you know, you could do it once a year, a couple times a year or whatever, and just do it to different game shows, you know, find your favorite game show or board game or whatever you want to do and put it into firefighting terms or like, you know, spin it in a way you can, yeah. you can make it work. And that's, that's, perfect example of thinking outside the box is mm-hmm. I can't say I think I even asked on one of those Facebook groups if anyone had ever done anything like that and I really didn't get any responses yeah. so it was definitely thinking outside the box uh, probably original idea but if you guys want more information on us just hit us up um, we'll be happy to share it with you uh, the next one you want to go over uh, let's talk about clearing town so I, I don't have a better name for this but we'll kind of explain it to you so, Clearing Town was a practice that we did uh, in case our town got hit, in our case, by a tornado or a major storm that went through. Yeah, and for some of you guys, you may not have tornadoes in your area. You could do the same thing for hurricanes. You could do the same thing for earthquakes. Any other, any kind of a major event that's that you need to go around town in a large area and make sure you cover every street to to make sure that you're looking for all hazards that could be present, basically. Yeah, basically make an assessment on a large area, in our case, the town, mm-hmm. where a chief and assistant chief were set up at a command post and our officers and firefighters were out in the field. Yeah. So the, the original idea of this 
came about because this was the year that I was assistant chief. Yeah. And storm season was coming, and the chief and I sat down and talked, and we didn't know how to do this. This was a whole new concept. How do we cover all the streets in town, make sure we don't miss anything, and not be out in the trucks? Exactly. It's like, well, it it had happened. You know, a a town got, uh, not completely wiped out by any means, but it got hit pretty hard not far from us. It was before you and I got on the department, but it happened. And so there there was recent-ish enough events that people were like, this could happen. And in Nebraska, you know, nor- it's the north of Tornado Alley, but it can happen very easily, very quickly. And tornadoes, you never know when they're going to happen. So Yep, exactly. So that's the original idea of this. We kind of knew of some other departments, some of the bigger departments. I knew of them anyway. Oh, I'd never that, heard of anyone else doing this. That had kind of... They had a. They at least had plans in place mm. of how to do it. How about that? I don't think. I definitely think it's something volunteer departments do not think about. Yeah, probably at not. all. So that's where this practice originally came from, and the original idea was just from bigger departments that had plans already in place. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it came from. So now we had to adapt it to our department, and in this case, it was actually fairly easy because it was just us sitting down and figuring out, okay, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And so what we ended up doing was, okay, well, if this does happen, you know, this chief and assistant chief are going to be up here. We have maps in the officer's, office, quarters. officer's quarters. We have maps of the city. We're like, okay, um, we got maps up here. We're both going to be up here kind of managing resources and trucks and stuff like that. So we knew that part was going to happen. So it was like, okay, how do we get our trucks out there, give them something to do? You know, how are we going to, if they run across something, because obviously we didn't have an event when we trained this, how are we going to tell them, yes, you found, a, you know, something across the road or... Uh, you found a, a house collapsed or you found somebody under a tree or whatever. Yeah. So that was kind of the next thing is like, okay, well, we know we're going to be up here. We know the trucks are going to be out on the street. So what we ended up coming up with, we, I think we kind of wanted to do something a little more fun but we ended up using um we have cones on the back of all our trucks and we sent some guys out before practice and put these we put about 12 13 cones all around town Mm -hmm. just on different sidewalks streets stuff like that that were all marked for the fire department of course well they were not marked for the fire department all Uh, our cones are marked for the fire department but not everyone (laughs) on the department knew that (laughs) well that and sometimes the markings are really tiny so you're not going to see it from a truck so, so I would suggest if you're going to do this, take maybe some fire line tape or some colored electrical tape and make some marks on it to really specify that it is for your department for this training or something. Because you would not believe how many cones people have out there, not just the city, but individual people. Like, yeah, I can't tell you how many cones I came across in the truck I was driving. And they're like... Nope, that's not a scene. So the other thing you have to do with these practices, too, is after you get done doing them, make notes of what went right and what went wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if we ever do that practice again, which I'm sure we will, we're probably going to use something different or mark them out a little better for the cones. Yeah, the cones is a great idea to use because they really don't move even in some, you know, lighter winds or whatever. Just make sure, like, yeah, wrap some fire line tape or put some, like, bright green electrical tape or something on them in some way. Like, my goodness. Yeah. So, anyway, 
we started there, um, and then when we had that practice, chief and assistant chief sat up here. We sent all the trucks out and cleared all the streets, and by the end of practice, when we had everyone back at the station, we had to make sure we had every street cleared, and we had to have all the cones accounted for. Yes, so do you want to explain how you cleared the streets? Kind of. <laughs> Not really. Not really. It's it's fairly simple. We, we have two highways that run through town. They were the first priorities, and then basically we started working off those major highways into the other streets of the town. One thing we learned from it, and this is what you're going to see when you start doing these practices, you'll learn a lot from them, is it was a big communication headache. Mm -hmm. Trying to keep up with potentially eight trucks out there in the city, telling them where to go, and if they ran into something, how to deal with it, or if we needed to redirect other trucks to it, depending on what the situation was. Yeah. And when these trucks ran across these cones, we gave them the ability to make up whatever scene they wanted to. So we had anything from a trash can fire to a full house fire to, (laughs) I don't even know. We had some pretty bizarre stuff out there, cattle across the road, who knows. Yeah, so um, it's definitely not just a training just for the uh, chief and assistant chief who are in the command center. It's for the officers. It's for the firefighters. You know, if someone needs driving experience, it's fantastic. If they, if, you know, you have officers in the truck that need to work on size-up reports or... um, or initial call-ins or whatever, and then even for gen- general firefighters, we had two firefighters in my truck, you know, no officers, and so we were working on those size ups on our own, and that was really nice to be able to do some of those things. But it was hilarious because it's, <laughs> I called in, and this is how, how I figured out we had so many cones in town that were not ours, uh, because I called in, I must have been like three or four of them, and that were wrong. I was on the south edge of town, and it's like, uh, 54 to command, we have, you know, a train derailment on the south edge of town, you know, on this cross street and whatnot, and take a second, command would come back, nope, that train is fine, okay, (laughs) and then it came up later, it's like, I have a trash can on fire by this address here and things like that on the back end on the seaside, and it's like, nope, that trash can is not on fire, oh, thank you. (laughs) So, so I, mean, I think we ended up picking up maybe one cone from our truck, but it, yeah. it's just like, nope, that's not that that's not happening. And there'll be some good stories that come from these practices. Tell you what, but yeah, for sure, we had a lot of cones out there that were we had to tell them, nope, that that's that's fine, leave it there. We d- I did end up picking one up because they told me it was one of them, and then they're like, oh, we actually didn't put any out south of the train tracks. And it's like, crap. So the other firefighter and I had I had in the truck, I quickly drove us back to where we picked up the cone and put it back because it was somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. So lessons learned on that one. But anyway, we learned a lot of communication on that. We learned yeah. how to how to clear our city if something were to happen, stuff like that. So Yeah, and I think um, all the firefighters started to figure out you have a lot of talking back and forth that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. And sure. so it was really tough to be able to call in when we finished our assignment. Yep. So something, definitely the guys upstairs had to figure out how do they give us more? Do they, how do they figure this out? What are the trucks supposed to do once they finish their assignment? You know, a lot of us just kept driving on our own. So we covered multiple streets two times or three times. And while there were still other streets that were unchecked. Yeah. We, we definitely learned a lot from the practice. Yeah. Right? And so uh, I don't think we touched on it, but how they kept track of everything upstairs 
Um, so we have those big maps and whatever, and we actually have this piece of glass on this table over top of those maps. So they're able to take dry erase markers and just, they could just write over top of the road that they cleared with dry erase marker that'll easily wipe off later. So, you know, you guys could do the same thing if you want to set up that kind of a thing, or if you just want to get a laminated piece of paper or like a big poster board laminated piece of something that you can use like a dry erase marker on, would be fantastic. I think that'd be a really good idea. Otherwise... Or just have multiple copies and a highlighter. Yeah, just, yeah, that'll work too. So, we definitely learned a lot on that one, but going back to what <laughs> we're trying to... Sorry. Corona. <coughs> the unspeakable. <laughs> anyway, going back to what we're kind of trying to teach you here, it's different for every department. So in this case, we had bigger departments around that had had basically pre-plans of this already. Yeah. Um, and we just had to adapt it the way we needed to operate mm -hmm. based on how we've kind of done it in the past and what we wanted to see. So we adopted it that, adapted it that way and did a little bit of outside-of-the-box thinking on what we can have the trucks find, and that's how we made that practice. It was a pretty good one. It was a, that was a big learning experience for a fairly new chief and a brand-new assistant chief. So. Yeah. Again, it met our needs, it did what we needed to do, and we covered the basis there. And you learned a lot from it to fix. <laughs> exactly. And we looked back on it and, well, we should have done this a little different. So so that was a good one. Uh, what's next, then? Um, this one actually wasn't a, an actual training. This was what I call pre-training. So we did this before our training night. So it would take about, like, what, five or ten minutes before training. Yeah. Um, for We did it quite a few nights in a row. So this one is just a random nugget for you. It doesn't really fit into what we're trying to teach you, but we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna tell it to you because it is a good, good thing to put in your practice nights. Yeah, and I like to just call it because I'm trying to have names to all these. <laughs> I just call it "Ask the Group" because there is no better name for it, and you can use this with whatever you want. Ask the Group. What about pre-training training? Well, pre-training training, yes, but the Ask the Group is like you can. The way we used it was with trucks, but you could use it with anything else too. It's pre-training training. My goodness. <laughs> Continue. Ask the group. Okay. So what we were finding is that with our department, we have certain trucks that go to certain calls. We are both city and rural, like we've kind of said before. So if we're going into the rural, we use certain trucks, um, and they go in a certain order. If we're going to, in town, they go certain trucks in a certain order. If we're going to a car wreck, we use certain trucks. They go in a certain order. That sort of deal. That's kind of where it all started. As we found out, a lot of guys were waiting around the station not knowing which truck to take next. Mm -hmm. Because everyone knew that there was certain trucks that had to go and certain trucks in a certain order. But none of them could remember but the order you actually Nobody could in. actually remember. We, uh, Yeah. So that's where this one started. And basically what we did is before our training nights, they start at 7 o'clock. So right at 7 o'clock, I would get up there and we have a whiteboard down there. And I'd say, okay, before going to this call, what trucks go to it? And basically anyone out of the group can answer. And we went through that call that night, what trucks and what order. And it was a real simple five, ten minute deal. Yeah. And it got people familiar with what trucks were going on what calls and where and stuff like that. And once we kind of got through all the trucks and scenarios and stuff like that, we even started going into what equipment was on those trucks or what would you use this truck for or how does this pump work 
Yeah, and so these would be, like, several weeks in a row or something. So he would ask, like, those questions or mix it up, you know. So you might not necessarily get the same question every week, but you might get it the first week and the fourth week or something like that for the same type of question. Yeah. It was something we found that was small that we could put into every practice and Mm -hmm. just kind of help retain some more information, especially with the newer guys. Yeah, an easy way to not have a full training on it because we... Try not to do boring trains. Who wants to sit in the classroom and learn (laughs) what trucks go to a city structure, what trucks go to a rural structure, and then have a test over it? Oh, yeah, exactly. Nobody likes that. No one. So you could easily add anything, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be trucks. You can do whatever the crap you want to adapt this to, but just do a little bit at the very beginning of training and have it be an opener, you know, just to get guys thinking. That's why it's pre-training training. training. Yeah, pre-training training. Ask the group. That's what the pre-training training is called. You can have other pre-training trainings. This isn't the only one, silly. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) All right, so the next one. Um, Next one, uh, Lego communication. Lego communication. I really liked this practice. So I'm going to try to describe this. First of all, we'll go through a list here. What this was accomplishing is we realized that we had communication issues on our fire ground. Mm Mm-hmm. Different people talk different ways on the radio. It wasn't always getting taken the right way, and things were getting done weird. So that was the objective. Now, it's obviously going to be different for every department, depending on who has radios, just kind of their protocol for using radios and communication, that kind of stuff. Um, If you run on several frequencies on the same scene, or one frequency is going to be a little different. Yeah, here we... We are lucky enough to have um, about three frequencies here. No, but yeah, but when we do a working, fi- oh, you're just not. sorry. <laughs> work with Calm me. down. The the whole <laughs> county itself, we have three frequencies. Mm-hmm. But the frequency we work on the most, there are two other departments on it. So the channel that we use the most, we also have eight to ten handhelds running around here. So you have ten people trying to talk on the same channel. And a lot of people are getting ran over, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So We do not issue handhelds to every single firefighter on our department. All the officers get them, and then um, we have a couple of extras scattered throughout the trucks for people to grab. Yep. So, obviously this is going to be different for every department. Maybe only your chief and assistant chief have a radio, or maybe everyone has a radio. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely going to be different for every department. Or maybe you have three channels that you can work on, and that's going to be just another added difficulty that you're going to have to put into this. But Sometimes I feel like that would be easier depending on what... Yeah, depending on what you're doing, so <laughs> for sure. Um, Once we get into explaining how this practice works, uh, you guys are going to see how that might be easier. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be different for every department, so make sure that you... If you do do this practice, or if you have a practice similar to this, that you adapt it to what your department has and how your department department operates. And then thinking outside the box on this one, we were, I don't even know how long it really took us. I think, did we find this on YouTube maybe? I don't know if we found it on YouTube. I know we officially, because we had to think of a, another practice to do for the upcoming training, and we had just been at a conference, the Les Luger Conference in Kearney, Nebraska. And we were coming back, we're like, we need to figure out something. So we stopped by the store and we grabbed some Lego sets. 
And, yeah. But I think we, I think I might have seen it either on um, like Firehouse or Fire Rescue magazine it or might, something yeah, like that. It was, something, it was an article, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, just side note here: YouTube is a great place for training resources or ideas, and Fire Rescue One. And Fire Rescue One, Firehouse, Fire Engineering. Those are some of the big ones I look for. And yeah. then a bunch of, if you find any firefighting groups on Facebook, that's really good too. Podcasts are a good place if you can yep. find the right ones. Anyway, those are some resources for you. So, yeah, we had to adapt our communication and our radio traffic to the way our department did things with the number of handhelds we had with the officers, that sort of deal. Mm-hmm. So the thinking outside the box, um, we've seen this Lego idea for communications and we wanted to put our own spin on it (laughs) yeah basically we just took that and kind of ran with it like hey this is a great idea so let's see what happens so this is going to get a little tricky so hang on with me here (laughs) because i tried this once before and it turned out to be very murky so to simplify this we're going to start with taylor and i here taylor and i are on a team she has a pack of Legos. I have a pack of Legos. They are exactly the same pack yes, of Legos. They are this exactly is very the same. important. <laughs> so, so you can either take a big pack of Legos and split them in half, or you can buy two separate sets that are the exact same. It doesn't matter how you do it. They just need to be the same. Yep. So I'm the officer. She's the firefighter. She's going to go in a different room than I am, and we're going to communicate by radio. Mm-hmm. Me as officer, I'm going to build something with that Lego set. Yep. And then the goal of this is to me communicate over the radio and tell her how to build what I've built with my Legos. Yep, as exact as possible, including the color of Legos, the exact layout, whatever, to its completion. Exactly. And it didn't have to be anything like a house or a car yeah. or anything like no, that. No, they could make su- something super simple. They can make it as complicated as they want. It's really whatever they wanted to get into it. Yeah. But. And so at the end of the practice or at the end of that session or whatever, mm-hmm. basically we'd come back into the same room and compare and see how close they were. Yeah. Or where the communication error was. Or in the case of our department, the officers were getting three steps ahead of the guys putting together Legos. Sometimes they were, yeah. So... Um, that's, that's how this is set up. Now, this is where it gets a little murky. When we did our practice... So, so yeah, you can just do the... Go ahead. You can just do the basic of straightforward, that's how you do things. Okay, that is a good starting point for a lot of departments to do. Um, we decided that our department might actually get bored with that really quick. So, we decided to put on some things of making it a little bit harder, a little bit more complicated. So, in all of your practices you want to do, you want to make sure you have different levels of... of experience um of difficulty in there for people with experience or new guys whatever you want to do or if you do the same practice multiple times you can make it different every time and make it step up harder so we are kind of doing we did ended up doing like the middle difficulty is what we ended up doing yeah so we had two teams we'll start there we had two teams you had team a and team b so you had captain a or officer a to firefighters a and Officer B to Firefighters B. We had the officers in our meeting room with their Legos. Mm-hmm. And we had the firefighters out in our apparatus bay with their Legos. And so our officers built what, what they wanted to build. 
and they had their radios, the firefighters had theirs, and they started talking. And as I kind of previously mentioned, the radios that we work on, we primarily work on one channel. Yep, that makes it very difficult. <laughs> so our and the other detail about this is we had two to three officers together in each group. No, we have one officer and two to three firefighters. Oh, I thought there was two officers out no. there. Okay, so we had one officer and then two to three firefighters putting it together. Mm-hmm. So with having two groups doing this, two teams doing this, we found out that they were getting walked on. When oh, all one, the time. One team would want to get on to the next step where the other team was still talking on the radio or they were talking on the radio and the other team would walk over them or whatever and it became a big nightmare. Mm-hmm. Which was part of the part of the practice. That, that's exactly what we wanted to practice on because it happens on the fire ground. And it was hilarious because you saw the guys just get so pissed. We had <laughs> guys purposely cutting off other guys. At this yeah. Point. I, I, yeah. By the time we got to like the second and third round of this, uh, and we didn't always use the same firefighters or whatever, but like, you know, we had people just purposely doing it because they were just getting upset. So that was one added difficulty to it. The other added difficulty we did was... When you're usually communicating to your firefighters, typically for us, it tends to be someone who's inside working or in a state of working with, with an air pack on. You know, that's pretty standard for us when we're communicating a lot of radio. So whoever was communicating on the firefighter side with the officer, that firefighter had to be on air in an air pack. And nobody else, the other firefighters were allowed to work on the, work on the structure, on the, uh, on the Legos. On the Legos, thank you. <laughs> work on the Legos. The firefighter in the SCBA couldn't work on the Legos, but the firefighter in the SCBA was the only one allowed to talk on the radio and ask questions or do whatever. And so it became a lot of back and forth, and it was it was really great, though, for the guys who were in the air packs because they got practice learning how to speak calmer, clearer on the radio in their air packs. They were figured out if they need to speak up, to say anything, they were able to figure out where maybe around their mask they need to put it to pick it up better, the sound. And the officers had a chance to hear someone in an air pack over the radio and see how difficult it was. So. And I heard some of it was pretty difficult. And other yeah. people were really good at it. Yeah. All in all, it was really great practice as far as communication goes. I think most of the models were pretty close. I think we had one that was like kind of way off. Yeah. I think that was the one where the officer got like three steps ahead of the guys putting together. Yeah, he didn't but. realize what was happening. But, you know, you really had to get down to the to the down and dirty with it of like, you know, you couldn't just say this goes on the right of this piece because to the right of it could mean so many different things depending on what you're talking about. So it really gets them to not assume that the firefighters know anything that's happening. So like in the instance of a structure fire, they may not even be, they should know where they're at in the building, but they may not have a good take on where they are in reference to the outside of the building. If something's happening on the AB side of the building, they may not realize they're in the AB corner or whatever, you know? So if the officer assumes that they're right there, it's like, it should be to the left of you. And they're like, what? <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it really gets, <clears throat> gets you putting these into other perspectives like that. Yeah. And that was one thing I was fairly impressed with too, is at the time of doing this, we had just implemented the kind of the A, B, C, D of structures. Only and, a couple officers did it. Yeah, but I was impressed because those officers 
started when they started building they're saying okay this is your a side you're yeah. looking at the a side you know you're looking at the b side whatever mm-hmm. you know and that was that was pretty impressive so that they actually started implementing it yeah yeah so it gave us a chance to actually implement that too so yeah and then so going on to the difficulties of this you could add another difficulty on top of that and the way i would do it is honestly you can make them do it with gloves on <laughs> building the legos that's an added difficulty you could add in um, YouTube sounds of fire of uh, smoke alarms going off. You could add in YouTube sounds of fire or sirens going off. Basically, you want to confuse them. Yeah, you want to add, make them aggravated. Add stress. Yes, you want to add stress and aggravate them like crazy. And this can be both on the officer side and the firefighter side of it. So those are ways to escalate it up to that ex- advanced level of these yeah, practices. So if, so if you guys have really good communication and you just want to push it... yeah. Uh, Find ways to screw it, it up. Put an air pack in that room <laughs> and put the pass alarm off and see how fast they oh, get yeah. up with that. And they're not allowed to turn it off. So. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, we adapted it to our department. And obviously it's going to be different for every department. So we took what we already knew from other departments. We adapted it to ours. And then we started thinking outside the box on how we can make this more fun or more challenging for guys. I think maybe let's do one more for this episode, and then we'll save the rest for the next, for part two. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a good plan. So... You guys are probably getting bored of us for a little while anyway, so... Like, we need a break. My goodness, shut up. (laughs) We gotta start figuring out how to turn these into our own department practices. (laughs) Yeah. So, and if you guys want any information on any of these practices we talk about, like I said, just hit us up. We are more than happy to share what we know. Oh, yeah. If we can't explain details. it good enough to you, we'll try to either do a video or get, get get you on the phone or something to explain it better, whatever needs to be done. So. Yep, for sure. All right, which which one do you want to hit last? I don't know. Um, let's flip a coin. Choose A or B. Uh, B. A hose deployment race. Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> this one's interesting because it wasn't actually our idea. Mm-hmm. This was our previous chief came up with this, and... I didn't get to pick his brain enough on it when he was here. Well, I think he also saw that it took us a... He thought that things should be faster. Yeah. So, we we are pretty efficient at pulling our cross lays. Yeah, decently, yeah. Um, Our guys know him pretty well. Um, We've switched since then, but it still stayed pretty consistent. I think the need that he saw was we didn't work with our two-and-a-half hose enough. Mm. He didn't know if the guys knew how to deploy that two-and-a-half. That's where this one started. That was the need that this one started on. And so this, I can't even say that we really had any other departments or anything because I didn't come up with this one. You didn't come up with this one. But it was a really good training. Yeah. um, There's obviously departments out there that are really good working with the two and a half. Um, They have it in different compartments. And that's the way you're going to have to... It operates different for every department is because every truck is set up different. Yeah, like most of the time for us, we use two and a half just for supplying tankers for to pumpers or whatever, you know. Or everyone, yeah. everyone's shy of the two and a half. I love the yeah. two and a half, but I never get to use it. So well, we honestly, when we have the structure fires, they're not usually big enough, or they're too far gone, or something, you know. Everyone's like... shy of the big hose. <laughs> you just got to know how to handle it, right, honey? <laughs> took you a while you were falling flat falling flat on your that butt was the first once time. and that was like my first year in i think so. it probably happened more than once no it was once <laughs> i remember you swear i swear <laughs> don't call me out on it everyone will know <laughs> anyway so
So, yeah, every, every department's going to be different. Uh, in this case, probably how your truck's set up and how your hoses are set up. Basically, she adapted it to our department by, okay, this is where our hoses are at. This is how I think they should come off the truck. And he kind of explained it all before we did it, so that helped. And it was definitely thinking outside the box on his part because we'd never done anything like this on our department. No. So this was a, a competition or a race. Mm-hmm. That's a and good way to get your people to do stuff. Yeah. And on our truck, the truck that we were working off in this case, we have two, two and a half uh, lays on the back of the truck that run with the truck. And so the goal was is to pull 200 foot out, or 150 foot out, I believe is what it was, mm-hmm. and a two and a half nozzle that was already on there, hook it to the truck, and flow water, and knock a cone over. Mm-hmm. After you knock that cone over, you had to break your hose down, or take your nozzle off, and put out another 100 foot of inch and three quarter. Yep, and then find another nozzle for put it. A, put a nozzle on that, and then knock another cone over. Yep. And that was the end of the race. So that was how it went down. Basically, the guys just really got into it, and we did learn a lot, mm-hmm. which I found out you didn't learn what I learned on that, which is kind of the funny part. But Oh, yeah. So basically, the guys got up there. The first group of guys got up there, pulled that two and a half off, got it hooked to the truck, flowed water. That was the easy part. That was the easy part. Knocked over the cone and broke down the line and the first group of guys that were done went over to the side compartment, grabbed the two and a half to inch and a half adapter, threw it on there, rolled out their inch and three quarter, got it done, knocked out. First group was great. The Second second, group. The second team in that group realized that we only had one adapter on that truck Mm -hmm. or so we thought (laughs) and this is where our chief got a kick out of it because our pipes out of the truck are all capped off so you have to screw your hoses onto them well what none of us realized is those caps were two and a half to inch and a half adapters with an inch and a half cap on them so we had like five of them on the truck that nobody knew about (laughs) So, the guys definitely learned a lot there, but not only that, we got a lot of practice deploying that two and a half Mm -hmm. and working that two and a half in groups of two. We only had two people per team. Well, we got got a lot of practice of people uh, bowling out the inch and a half and getting that good, fluid, fast, connecting another piece, you know, and it it taught them... um, to to add the pieces farther up towards a nozzle and not back at the truck, you know. And granted, we could have done it with more two and a half, and that would have been fine. But this was a nice way to instill in them, even though we're using a different hose uh, diameter for it. If we use the same hose diameter, you're still going to try to get it as close to that nozzle with the new hose as possible, not way back at the truck, you know. So absolutely, this was a a very simple practice to set up. Mm-hmm. Just a truck and a two and a two two and a half hose loads. Yeah. And you could do it with one too. I mean, like I said, you adapt to what you got. So Yeah, if or if you got two has, trucks. Yeah, if your truck only has one two and a half lay on it, do a time trial type of deal. Yeah. If you got two trucks that have one on each truck, do it with both trucks, you know? And it it's it was definitely a good one and the guys got pretty good at doing it by the end of it. They we really did. So Yeah. 
and it was pretty impressive. I don't I don't even remember the times it was long ago, but um, we were putting a hose out there and knocking cones down pretty fast by the end of it. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a good training. We had to adapt it to our department, of course, and I think on Chief's part, it was definitely thinking outside the box. Oh, yeah. Not so far out there, but... Uh, definitely thinking out and adapting and completing that goal of hey we need to do this better so and we had fun doing it and it kept the guys entertained and engaged for sure all right so i think that's all we're going to do for this episode you guys uh we're going to cut this two-parter here um and we're going to get you guys back in the next uh episode we're going to go over some more of our favorite trainings to begin with and then kind of go over what really what we found works well, what doesn't work well, and how to keep people engaged when we're putting together these trainings. So we hope to see you guys in the next episode. Absolutely. You guys have a good night and uh, stick with us here. And hopefully you got some more information from us and from the next one coming up. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening to us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Couplings Fire Podcast. See you next time.